So last episode, we talked a bit about limitations. Yes. Well, there was one thing I did not consider when we did that episode. I didn't even think of it, uh, but I've been contemplating it ever since, uh, which has only been many uh, moons ago, many, many years ago, it seems. So what I was thinking about was the importance of subtext. Uh, That's something I don't really remember ever focusing on in my work, and I'm sure you haven't either. And what I mean by like subtext is like the importance of the unsaid. The importance of the things that are just below the meaning of, like, say, a sentence. What's the quickest example I can think of is that, like, that legendary Hemingway six-word story. The legend says that, you know, he made a bet or he was in a bar or somebody, somebody bet him he couldn't make a story in, like, six words or something, and he did. Well, the story goes, um, and it's just one sentence, for sale, baby shoes, never worn. And... If you just take that at face value, you're just like, okay, was it like an ad? Like, but the subtext is what's important there. If you really think about it, especially that end part, never worn, that'll tear your heart out. Yeah. If like, well, why wasn't, why weren't the shoes ever worn? Because like, you immediately think, for most people anyway, probably immediately think, oh, the baby died. Yeah, that's what I was. I wasn't sure what the for sale thing was in yeah. the beginning, but the yeah. So, so somebody's selling these baby shoes. Uh... So say it was an ad or something. They're selling these baby shoes. They were never worn. Why were they never worn? That's the subtext. And that's just very emotionally charged. This will go towards like the kind of person you are where you take that story. So for us, we probably think, oh, you know, the baby died. Somebody who just had like a, you know, a good life and never really had too much like tragedy or anything happen to them. They might just look at that and go, okay, baby shoes for sale. But so it's all the the whole story is in the subtext or even that. Oh, this baby probably just had so many baby shoes and yeah. has ones that haven't even. Maybe they didn't fit. Oh, maybe yeah. the wrong color. They grow so they grow so fast. You know, they just never had a chance to wear them or whatever. Yeah. So the whole story is just the subtext. It's what is the meaning below the meaning. Uh, so you can't just take it at face value. And I was thinking about Hemingway's work. Um, because like that what was that one story called uh Hills Like White Elephants, which is about abortion. It's about a lady and her boyfriend or husband or something. I think it's just the guy she's dating. Uh, They're in like a bar or restaurant or something just waiting for a train and they're discussing him wanting her to have like an abortion. But because of the time period, too, they don't actually mention abortion. Mm. They don't say abortion. It's just all the subtext of the story. So when I first read that story and I didn't know it was about abortion, I was like, that's kind of weird. I don't. Like, I had to look into it more, and when I did, I was like, holy shit, that was really hard-hitting. I didn't even realize because uh, the metaphors he was using and stuff just went over my head. Well, that's kind of like, um, you haven't read it yet, but, like, uh, one of the things in uh, Neverwhere, Neil Gaiman doesn't do, doesn't, like, hammer it over your head to where it's, like, blatant and you get tired of it, but, like, he kind of talks about, like, homelessness in London because, mm-hmm. like, things kind of... There's this whole other secret town beneath the city or city underneath the city of these forgotten people that nobody, you know, be they they walk on the streets and people just don't pay them any mind. They just walk right by them like they don't see them, you know. Right. So, yeah, that's what kind of whenever like an example that pops into my mind. So, you know, just bringing that back to the like, the, the limitations. And I think Neil Gaiman does that yeah. a lot in his work, too, because he's not one of those overtly. Uh, in-your-face yeah. writers. His stories usually are kind of more fantastical and fun, so when he has hard-hitting messages in them, because, um, like, that ocean at the... What was that? The lake at the end of the ocean or pond? Whatever that was. Uh, that was more, like, autobiographical. 
because it was even though it's fictional, it was like his life as a kid kind of like he threw himself into it. But a lot of the themes in there are actually very dark, but he does it in such a fun way that it's the subtext that you'd really have to focus on to understand like, oh, this kid's going through some shit, you know. But anyway, like going back to the limitations, I was just trying to think. Like, how often do I do that in my work? Oh. I don't think I'm very, uh, I, don't, I don't think I focus too much on that. I, I wish I did, but I don't think I do. Well, and then I think, too, whenever you're talking about the uh, subject of subtext is, like, the other part of it is being when you use it, like, in dialogue. Yeah. I'd say that would probably be the closest I would maybe have come. I can't think of anything off of my, off the top of my head. But if I were to do anything like super subtexty, it would probably been in the dialogue of how somebody, yeah. you know, how you can kind of say something without saying it or say, you know, you mean a thing by like, you know, maybe you take every other word, say, like, you mm. know what I mean? Or just the way somebody says, you know, says something. Well, the subtext is, uh, that's an area where I think Cormac McCarthy excels at. Uh, you didn't get much of a feel for it because even though there's a lot of subtext in Blood Meridian, it was just so dense that we, you, you didn't find it enjoyable. But like the road, especially because Outer Dark was pretty good, too. But like the road, there was so much going on in that story, but it was written very simplistically. Mm -hmm. So you would think they're almost like a Hemingway. You're like, oh, this if you just take it at face value, it doesn't seem like that crazy of a story. But when you think of all the subtext, even just something is like seeing somebody they got on this road and then, you know, they smile at you. Well, okay, that's just a friendly person. No, not in this hellscape of a no. future world where everybody's a cannibal and murdering you people. A like, smile is way worse. Yeah, the subtext of that smile could mean anything. Like, holy fuck, is this a bad person, a good person? Uh, so I love that kind of stuff. Like, uh, how psychotic are they? Yeah, but I think this is something I'm definitely going to start focusing on more in my work. Like I said, I'm sure I do it, just not to the degree where uh it would be considered art like you said probably in dialogue i would do it a lot uh just like what's left unsaid and also too it um it kind of depends on the story that you're writing like if you're mm. kind of writing like an uh, action adventure kind of thing you might not need you might not need it as much well purposefully leaving things unsaid can be a great use of foreboding without the reader necessarily knowing what you're doing like they can have this feeling again using the road you know, they go into this house and they like the house is empty, but then they see in the floor, there's like a like one of those basement things that open up like a what do they call that? Like a dirt cellar thing. Uh, but there's a lock on it and they're just like, what the fuck is there a lock? Let's break in and see what's under here. But if <laughs> obviously in that world, that's not a good sign. No. It's like, why is there a lock on here? Like they didn't think about it, but that's, that's the foreboding. But the foreshadowing, you could do a great deal in subtext because like, why that works so well is because if you leave something unsaid that should seem obvious, but the reader just, you know, because they're taking your story at face value, just goes past it. They don't realize until later on when they hit the part where that you were foreshadowing. They're like, holy shit, wait, that's why she didn't talk in this scene, or that's why she was really quiet. <laughs> like, you could do some cool shit with that. Uh, and I do stuff like that in my work. It's just... uh a lot of the times I'm not actually thinking about it. I'm just thinking like, you know, that's just a part of the story. But I don't I have to go back and actually look at my work to see how much subtext I use without really realizing I did. But either way, I think that's that's something I need to actually be more aware of in my stories now is uh, the use of subtext and the importance of leaving things unsaid and the story underneath the story. Because you always hear people say that. 
you know, a lot of people was like, oh, that's artsy fartsy. Like, what do you actually, what do you mean? Uh, because like the great literature of our time, it always has like the subtext that you're supposed to, what the reader reads into the story. Like, where are they picking up? Why is it different than what uh, the story is? Uh, like the Scrody McBooger balls. This story is about abortion. No, it's not. It's it's anti-abortion. Like you can uh have those purposely, or people could just read into them. Um, a lot of literary snobs they read into stuff that's not actually there. Uh, because that's just uh you know well, kill you, John Lennon. You always get upset whenever because uh, what's the Lord of the Rings one? Don't people keep on trying to say it's an allegory for World War Two? Yeah, but. It, Tolkien hated allegory. It's not. It has nothing to do with World War Two. It's just it's there's similarities. It just happens to be, but that has nothing to do with uh anything. What about you? Are you gonna focus on subtext now? Maybe we'll see. Okay. <laughs> the reader has to read and find out. Dun dun dun. At Spencer, <gasps> you don't have a name yet. No. After these, not yeah. commercial yeah. messages. After this intro music. After the space music. Ding. How long can I go before they realize it's not the space music? We need to get uh, oh, what's that dude's name? Michael? No. Oh, from the police academies. Yeah, Michael Winslow. Yes. Yeah, we need to do that. You are listening to what are they listening to? The drunken pen something or other cast. Oh, so close. It is the drunken pen writing podcast. Oh, podcast. Or DPW for short. PDW cast. Oh god. That that sounds like something you don't want to look at at work. Uh, I am your host Caleb James. With me as always Spencer the Mariana Marsupial Molester Church. Ooh. Whoa. Bro. I don't know why. Bro. Really? Marsupials. Why are you doing that? You can catch a disease from them. Yeah. I think the marsupials get like chlamydia. Yeah. Uh, watch out for uh, that. Uh, Maybe that's, that's probably why they have it. It's because of you. how <laughs> you think they got it. <laughs> You're nasty. You're fucking gross. Ah, uh, you should have saw what they were wearing. <laughs> Nothing. They don't wear clothes. <laughs> exactly. <marsupials>. The wars. <laughs> All right. I don't want to go down that alley. It's dark and you're at the end of it. <laughs> I don't like it. <laughs> why do you why are you wearing that trench coat with nothing under it? You creep. You dirty creep. So anyway, uh what are we talking about today? What are we uh, want to talk about? Um, the words and things. So if you put two words together They make sentences. Probably more than two words. You can have a two word sentence, but most likely you want more than that. What if you had an experimental story where every sentence was two words? Could you do it? Probably not. Reading. That's what we're going to talk about. Not writing. Reading. I don't. We talked about writing for like two episodes. Oh, I'm fair. Reading. Okay. Drunk, I like. Drunk pen reading podcast. I like it. DPR. Ooh, <laughs> that doesn't hit right. <laughs> yeah. DPR. Ugh. It almost kind of sounds like a shittier version of the uh, NPR. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What does NPR stand for? I don't know what it stands for. I just know it's always the people that talk like this, and it's very educational and douchebaggery. So what you need to do is you put on your trousers, and you put on your running shoes, and you head outside, and you hit the pavement one foot at a time, and then the world flows past you in a abrasive gesture of love. Why is it abrasive? Stick around to find out. 
No, we're not doing that. Uh, so reading, why literature is good for your soul. Do you have a soul? No, that's not the right word. Why is lit? Why read good when? <laughs> why read good when read bad? <laughs> why read good when read bad more funner? So after everybody's already tuned out, <laughs> after our hot start, how can literature benefit your life, Spencer? Well, how about we fucking toot our own horns for a little bit? Because you and I, me and you, Spencer and Caleb, Caleb and Spencer, I feel that we have read a lot more in the last, like, three years than we yeah. have probably ever. Like, we've really picked up not just our reading, but our reading habits. Because I was thinking about this today. When's the last time you even went a week without just reading? Like, a book or comics or it, it, something? It probably, it whatever, I've been sick for a few days. Or something like that, and you're you're just not physically like yeah. able to. But still, probably not more than a week, right? No, no, not more than a couple of days. Because like the only thing I can ever really think that really stops me is when I'm really sick and you're just not able to, or like you when just... you go blind for that little bit, yeah period of time that sometimes happens. And then just whenever like hairy. the work just gets too crazy, and even after you go home for the day, you're just still too frazzled to like concentrate yeah. on anything. Those are like the only times that I can ever think of that ever like really stops me from reading on a steady base on any kind of steady basis. Well, that's good. Be I, we must be doing something right because it's, it has come to my attention. I didn't really know this was a thing, but I guess it could be uh, something I've experienced in maybe like my twenties or something. Because reading is like one of those things you kind of build yourself up to being able to do it every day. I've seen more and more people complain uh, about reading burnout or book burnout. And I didn't know that was a thing like readers fatigue where uh, whether it's you read too much, like a lot of these people, they try to tackle those uh, hundred books a year challenge or the TBR. You got to read these top 50 books in your life like challenges like they try to do those and then they, they, they get burnt out or people who read really, really dense literature back to back well, to back. Uh, so that's why I want to make a little addendum to the to the your opening of the podcast where you said why is literature important to where I think it's more why reading. reading is important because I feel like sometimes the literature can be a more of a detriment for a lot of people, especially when they first start. I disagree. Well, that's why you're an asshole. I know. No, I don't disagree. But since you amended me, you take over the show. No, I don't want to host it. <laughs> okay. I'm going to go I'm gonna sit on my couch play Zelda. <laughs> Again? <laughs> I started a new Game Boy version. Well, it's not new it's from the 90s, but Game Boy version of Zelda. One of the, I think it's uh, Link's Awakening, maybe? I forget. I started it, but I, I fucking gave it a break. Zelda fatigue. So going to the books, though, I think there's two kind of things. Like you said, with the literature, uh, could be a detriment because too dense, too, you know, you're too much invested in that kind of stuff. And then you can get burnout on whether it's emotional or just like I actually had to take a break from the Silmarillion and I started reading a portrait of what is what is it? Uh, James Joyce's A Portrait of the Artist as a Young Man. I started reading that to take a break from the Silmarillion because it was just getting like a little overwhelming. So I get that aspect, but also which is something I actually get is contemporary fatigue. If I read too many, I don't want to call it fluff books, but even if it was like Stephen King or something, like m more modern, kind of fun, you can just fly through them books. If I read like four or five of those in a row, I don't want to read for a while. Yeah. Like for some reason, they just get, like, they make me bored. Uh, even if the stories are enjoying, like enjoyable, I just kind of get bored of it. That's why when we read like The Big Sleep or something, I could read that 
but I can't just go on with the series. Like, I couldn't just read three more in the series because I'd just be like, okay, I'm fucking bored. Well, I was going to say, that's what uh, what I think when we're talking about the, uh, the, the uh, reading fatigue. I think what helps us with that is that we have a very wide pool of things that we read from. We always switch it up. Yeah. I think that would be just good advice in general for people is your reading habits should be varied. Because if you only read nonfiction, you only read fantasy, you only read horror, like if you, if you, I mean, it could work for some people, but if you just make it strict that you're this genre or this type of fiction or nonfiction, you're probably going to get bored. And I know what helps with me too, is I know because like, I don't know, like I'll get kind of like, like fatigue of just like with novels and I'll just, I'll, I'll go to like my, my single issues or some graphic novels for like a day or two, mm. you know what I mean? To just kind of cleanse the palate and. Like, complete things that aren't super long, you know what I mean? I always, like, now, more than ever, I always do a palate cleanser between uh, difficult books. So, like, I'm reading The Silmarillion. After The Silmarillion, I'm probably going to read, like, a Stephen King or something. Yes. Like, something that I consider easy reading that I don't have to be focused on. I need to start coming up with some choices, then. Shut your face, hole. Uh... <laughs> you don't need nothing. Nothing. Or just some suggestions. Suggestions. Some, some suggestions. Okay. Well, even when I was we- reading the Silmarillion, like the first hundred or so pages, I read like a couple of Neil Gaiman's kids books because I could read those in 20 minutes and, you know, just like uh, take it easy. But even like this James Joyce book, which is a little more, um, I wouldn't say complex, just challenging, uh, mainly because of the language. Like, I don't know most of the 19 fucking, I don't know when he wrote this, 1920s or something like the Irish words, mm-hmm. like the slang and phrases. I don't know what the fuck he's talking about half the time. I'm actually starting to really enjoy that, and I'm flying through that, so I should be done with that this week. But I think the palate cleanser is good. So, like, whatever you normally read, uh, if you're starting to feel a little burnt out from it, just switch to something completely different. Even if it's something you might not like. Like, say you don't like sci-fi at all, maybe just pick up a sci-fi book and just start reading it until you get bored with it, and mm-hmm. then make it, it'll make you want to read, you know, what you enjoy reading. And you never know doing that. Um you can always, like, be... Because I know, like, I've been surprised by things that I didn't think that I would mm-hmm. like, and I really enjoyed, and then things that I thought I was going to like, and then didn't like that much. So I think that's good, too, just as, like, you know, every once in a while, like you said, like, pick, like, a sci-fi book just to see mm. if, it, if it tickles your fancy, or, um, you know, a horror book, or a thriller, or something like that. I think it's also important to read bad books from time to time. Like, books you know you're probably not gonna like Hmm. like not long ones i wouldn't say hey you know i know you're really really gonna hate gravity's rainbow so go read that giant tomb like no don't do that but what was it like that's i don't remember the name of it that splatter porn fucking book i read recently that was something that i normally wouldn't read uh it's not i wouldn't say i would find that kind of stuff enjoyable normally but i was like hey this will be a good palate cleanser, and if I hate this, it's going to make me appreciate other stuff. And you don't have to finish it. That's the thing. Like, a lot of people feel like they have to finish it, and if they don't, then they're going to be, you know, miserable or whatever. But then when you do that and you force yourself to finish stuff you're just not liking at all, guess what happens? Then you get burnt out. Yeah, we don't you, do that, so we don't get burnt out. And you're still Yeah. Well, then, too, like, I have a very, like, as through these three years and even, even before then, I think that I've... I've uh, enhanced my tune of like what like what I'm gonna like. You yeah. know what I mean? Very rarely am I going am I going into the book thinking like, huh, I hope I like this. Like normally I'm like, uh, it should be good. Like the um the ninth meadow that I'm reading, I never read any of the author's pro work, but I've read a whole bunch of his comics. 
the idea on the back seemed pretty, you know, that, you know, the description on the back yeah. seemed pretty cool. It's sci-fi, which I'm normally into. So I'm just like, this would probably be pretty good. Like, you know what I mean? I'm not like, huh, this doesn't seem like it'd be, it seems like it might be okay. So I'll, I'll check it out just because, like, yeah. you know what I mean? It's like, I'm pretty much know if I'm picking something to read, I have a pretty good idea that I'm going to enjoy it. Unless whenever we go to like our, our indie guys and then yeah. just because you don't know as much, it's more of a question. You don't know their kind of like writing style and stuff. Or I assign you a book. Oh, you assign me a book. That doesn't happen that often though. And usually I don't, other than Blood Meridian, I don't think you've hated any of my suggestions. No, not really. And I don't think I've hated any of your suggestions. Not, not that I can remember anyway. Though I will say out of the two of us, I think you've probably grown as a reader. Uh, a lot more than I have just because you started going into more challenging work that you had no interest in previously. Yeah, like, no, because I was just a straight... You're never a classic lit guy. No, because I was just comics and Stephen King. Mm-hmm. And maybe I was like... Um, his, his Joe Hill started to come out. And yeah, I was like, maybe there have been some other guys like once I kind of started winding them down, you know, closer and closer being caught up. I was like, oh, maybe there might be this guy. You mm-hmm. know, I've already said about this guy or this guy that I've wanted to check out, but it wasn't until even like years later until I actually, you know. Well, now you're dabbling it. in all kinds of stuff. I mean, you were reading fucking H.G. Wells and just going. Now you want to yeah. read Frankenstein. Uh, fucking telling you not to do that one. I warned you against it, but you know you still want to do it. Well, it's just it's more of a because like you read it, so like I kinda, <laughs> like you know what I mean. I feel like I like I don't want to wear, wear on on uh, Frankenstein. I, and I, I didn't say like, you had to read Frank. I specifically told you not to read yeah. Frank. I read it so you don't have to. And I, I feel like it's one of those things I should at least start to read, try it. Yeah, like you know, dip the toe in and see see what that's like. I just I find the only enjoyable part is maybe towards the middle. Which is like what sucks because you have to get all the way to the middle to enjoy <laughs> some of it, and then it shits the bed anyway. I was, gonna, I was trying to say like there's a lot of other books that I've enjoyed that you didn't want to read, um, like some of my fucking complex Japanese literature. Hey, I've been reading some Japanese stuff. Yeah, but those are tailor made for your liking. Yeah, I like. Hey, this one Spencer might enjoy. <laughs> the 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 one that's all Buddhist philosophy probably not so much. I like the Buddha. Um, you think you do. You think you do, but I don't think you do. You didn't read that big of Gilgamesh yet. You haven't gave it to me. I'll give it to you. It's 56 pages of fucking dog shit. And I have you know, the other day, I was sitting on my bed and I was thumbing through the uh, first volume of Journey into the West. Wow. Just thumbing through. Just How like, much Chinese is in there? Uh, like, do they have... Because I, I don't think I really flipped through those. Do, do they have, like, actual... Chinese words like characters or I think they might have a little bit but, but I did if I remember correctly there's a pretty big um oh, what's the thing in the back um, appendix appendix yeah um I was thinking I was like it's a body part it's a body part or you know it's a <laughs> that looks pretty girthy if I remember correct so if it didn't have it in there it probably has it in the in right the back. I start flipping through my Irish edition of the Hobbit and uh yeah I don't really know much like. Even if I could read Irish fluently, I don't think I would be able to read that. What you should do, you should try to see that like, go on like YouTube or something and see if you can find. I did. There was only reading. there was only one guy, and he was an Irish guy, and he says he. Uh, I think I believe he can speak uh, Gaelic pretty well, but he uh, said when he was reading it, it's because like the old timey words that Tolkien used and stuff. 
that guy just doesn't know the Irish words for those. Mm. Like he, so he reads those in the Irish version. He's like, "What the fuck does this mean?" He has to look everything up. So it's so very slow like, going. And so you could just like follow along in the book as you're yeah. listening to. Talking about the benefits of uh, fine literature, any literature, just reading. Um, I feel like it's made me a lot smarter. You know, neither one of us. We're not like reading like history books, yeah, or even like biographies or anything like that. But I do feel like the act of kind of like constant reading. I don't know yeah. if it's just because it's like vocabulary builder or like when you read enough good writing, a lot of it mirrors like actual life. So it's yeah. like some kind of like you kind of already get like because like it's weird how like when you kind of think of like sometimes like because like, you know, sometimes you read this stuff like, oh, this would have never really happened. But you'd be surprised on. Depending on what you're reading, how accurate like that kind mm-hmm. of stuff is like a good reading habit can improve your vocabulary. It expands your attention. At least it does for me. I would say it bolsters your confidence in your knowledge about you know whatever you're reading. So whatever real world topics might be, you know, let's say you read a story that's set in Pakistan. Mm-hmm. You might not have known shit about Pakistan. But after reading that story, you know more than you did. So if you got in a conversation with somebody, you could at least bring up that book. That, uh, it builds up your confidence in being able to just discuss things with people, especially like topics of morality and things that just come up frequently in literature. You know, it also can make you a more virtuous person, depending on what you take away from your literature. So if you are reading a lot of like what's considered the great books, like, you know, Dickens and Mark Twain and stuff. Uh, usually most of those books have like solid morals and messaging and you could take uh, away just how to be a better person through either what the character goes through or how the character develops and not wanting not wanting to do what they do so you see oh this character made the bad moves so i don't want to do that in my life so th- i mean those are just some of the ways that can make you like a better person but i mean that's one of the reasons why i always try to tell people to get their kids into comics when they're young. Because as stupid as it sounds, like... It teaches you right from wrong. It does. And then, it's like, you know, if you even even into, like, the cartoons or, or whatever it is, like, it is, uh, especially, too, if you start going, like, if you try to get them to, like, the older stuff, like, mm-hmm. a lot of maybe, like, the new stuff, maybe not so much. But, yeah, like, it, there is, like, good, like, the morale and, like, who like kind of good versus evil, and what kind of person are you? Like, are you a Captain America? Will you f- like even if yeah. like the person's not picking on you, but you're not gonna stand around and like that let somebody yeah. else get picked on? Like, the importance of comics, books, anything like that, it like you know just the medium of reading, and you could take this away for movies and stuff too. But I think reading it better cements it in you. It's more of a personal and like you have to you can't read with other people you have a book club you can you know talk about books but you can't physically read a book and somebody else is able to know exactly what you're reading as they're like it's just it's a solitary endeavor and the focus on with the reading to where like you know you can zone out during like a movie or show um and still if you zone out during reading you know what the fuck's happening yeah the one thing i love most about that uh, about like especially comics and stuff is if you're fostering a love for reading in a young kid like a young child and they grow up with that especially with comics and then you know your adventure stories and the fun works you yeah. know fantasy the things that are fun where it is clear good 
and evil, it usually teaches that kid that, hey, I want to be one of the good guys. And that's very important because I feel in this world we have far too many bad guys. I mean, we need more people who want to be good guys, not just like, oh, I'm a good person because I thought about helping somebody cross the street. That makes me good. No, that doesn't make you good. You have to help that person cross the street. And because even like a lot of times it might not even be a thing to where like you were saying like there's an act of like, oh, there's a strong I'm going to go right. If you get them started at such a long age, it's just it's the reflex. It's, yeah. It's the go. It's to, subconscious. Yeah. It's go they see somebody drop response. their wallet. Their first thought isn't, oh, I'm going to take their wallet. Oh, yeah. They're not looking and fucking scatter. No, their first thought is I'm going to take this wallet and be like, hey, you drop this. Yeah. A lot of a lot of kids nowadays, they don't have that. Like you see it every day. You see people on the, the TikToks or. Like the one of the ones that pisses me off the most is the overtly bullshit. I'm gonna do something nice. I'm gonna give this guy twenty dollars, or I'm. It's usually like more. It's like I'm gonna give this guy a hundred dollars after talking to this homeless guy, but I'm gonna make sure I record it. Yeah. It's like, oh hey buddy, how you doing? Oh, you're having a rough time. Well, I got a hundred bucks for you now. Fucking dance for my fucking followers, yeah. you jerk! Like, no, you're a piece of shit if you do that. You're gonna give the guy a hundred dollars. Just give it to him. Just fucking give it to him. There shouldn't be anyone around. Like, why do you have to, to record it? Uh, so you see a lot of fake virtue in uh, young people. To, well, not even just young people, just anybody nowadays. Like, you just see a lot of fake virtue going around. It's like, what the fuck? It makes like it makes you mad because like that doesn't make you a good person. The same way that wanting to do good things doesn't make you a good person. You have to do them. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. And like, I like what you said about it becomes a reflex. If you can. Get that in the kid's mind where, hey, you just, you're just the good guy. Not you want to be the good guy, not you're working towards being the good guy. You're just the good guy. You need to go and live your life in such a way. I, I think of Keanu Reeves because yeah. always, like, you see things like, oh, if Keanu's on a, a fucking bus and he sees a woman standing, he just gets up and lets her yeah, sit there. Yeah, a pregnant lady standing. He's fucking, a, you know, he's a fucking multimillionaire and he's super famous. He doesn't have to do that, but he does. He doesn't, he doesn't even have to be on the subway. Yeah. There was a video of him, like a lady, he had his motorcycle parked and a lady like backed into it or something. And then he goes up to it on the pop. I was like, okay, Keanu, they hit your bike, they hit your bike. And then he goes over to see if the lady's okay. Yeah. She wrecked into his shit, not vice versa. And he he went to see if she was okay. It's like, that's what you want to be. Be like Keanu Reeves. Yeah. You want to be the good guy that's, you're not trying to be good, you just are. You want to know how good a guy Keanu Reeves is? You know, like in all like the the red carpet photos and stuff, they and like the actors never puts his hand on the women. No, he's, it, it's always just like hovering yeah. the way it looks like, but he's never actually touching. And he's a single man, as far as I know, but he's he's a good dude. Uh, there's just, and there's not enough canneries in this world. That's a a sad thing, and we all fall victim, not victim. We all fall uh, um, yo, from grace like, from time to time where we always mishaps, you know, yeah, where we know, yeah. There's like there's times where I see like an old lady walking into Walmart or something and she's struggling with the buggy, and I was like, I could walk over and grab that for her, but I, I just don't feel like it. Like I had a bad day, I'm just gonna walk mm-hmm. on. And, but and as I get older, I try to be like, even if I'm having a bad day, I don't have to make somebody else's mm-hmm. day. Like I don't have to watch them have a bad day too. Like I can make it a little better because it takes no effort to you know pull the shopping cart loose from the other shopping carts like you can do stuff like that you know you see somebody drop your money you could just watch them drop the money and just like oh it's only a dollar just walk away or you can be like hey buddy drop your money like it's simple uh it's just these little day-to-day moral decisions that you can make like they build up over time you know you do just the good things when when the opportunity arises you don't have to it doesn't have to be like the grand gesture of oh i'm gonna give charity i'm gonna give a thousand dollars to charity this month i mean that's nice 
but just through your day-to-day actions that's that's where you really can shine and show that you're a good person uh and i think like i'm going to reiterate here reading is something that really can harbor like that's something that can make a kid harbor those feelings of why should i be good because when you're reading stories about people who are doing good things and good overcomes the evil, why do you want to be evil when you know they always lose? Mm-hmm. Which is why I'm not a big fan of nihilism or stories where evil wins. That's why I didn't really care for Blood Meridian. Yeah. I don't want evil to win. Fucking, there's enough evil winning all the time every day in the real world. I don't want to read about it. Especially whenever, like, the evil guy is not, like, super, like, charming or likable. Or, like, or even know? doing something that he, he thinks is him doing good, like Thanos. Yeah. In the movies, Thanos thinks that by killing half the population, it's going to save the universe. Kind of makes sense from his perspective, but, I mean, just double the resources, douche. But anyway, yeah. it's like, yeah, he thinks he's the good guy. But, you, like, the judge, uh, Judge Holden in fucking Blood Meridian, what was his redeeming factor? He was just a fucking crazy douchebag. Rapist. Rapist, murderer, fuckface. Like, didn't like that story. I don't, I don't like that kind of fiction. I guess the, the best thing you could say about him is that he was an equal opportunist rapist. He raped everybody. Man, <laughs> woman, child, didn't matter. I don't think that makes it better at all. <laughs> That's just horrible. Like, Ashley... He really doesn't like Cormac McCarthy because he thinks he just dabbles in nihilism and doesn't ever have any positive mm-hmm. messaging. Uh, but The Road, as bleak as that... Well, you saw the movie, right? Because the movie follows the book pretty well. I watched some of it. I don't think I ever got around to watching all of it, though. Well, the great message of that is... And it's it's uh, the kid and his dad. They go back and forth with this the whole time, through the whole movie and through the whole book is... We're still the good guys, right, Dad? Because they had to do some horrible shit. They had to shoot people. They had to do awful things. Uh, but the kid, his dad always taught him, you have to be one of the good guys. There's a lot of bad guys. you got to be one of the good guys. And a lot of people really struggle to teach their kids that. And sometimes you can't necessarily... I mean, you could teach your kids, like, hey, right from wrong, do this, uh, follow this kind of path. But usually kids learn better by seeing others do these mm-hmm. things and you know when all their friends are little shitheads they're not going to get it from them well, and that's uh com- going kind of ruin off a little bit that's one of the harder things about nowadays it's like what is the right thing like, yeah there is more now than ever the what the right thing is is more blurred than ever before i think the best way to go about it is be respectful be polite and mind your business or- or I'm guessing maybe the better way to describe that is like what people, how people are, may justify themselves as the good guys, where they might not mm. necessarily be the good guy. You know, like it's you can have like because I mean, how many times where it's like there's this kid who's raised by like asshole racists that don't even have a chance, but like in their view. They're the good guy, yeah. Getting rid of what's not to put you know, like right. that kind of shit, like so. Well, I mean, you can break anything down. People would justify any type of behavior usually. Like, okay, you steal food stamps. Uh, you, you know, you're scamming the welfare system. It turns out you're not really as poor as you like. You work under the table, so you, it just seems like you're poor, but you're actually making a lot. Of, you're selling drugs. You're fucking rich. You could justify that. Well, the government's corrupt anyway, and they steal our tax money. And see, you could justify that. What's another fucking good one you always see? The uh, panhandler nowadays, where it's like some All fucking. Bu- yeah, we see them a lot around here. 
And they fucking sit there and they beg for money and beg for money. And then you, at the end of the day, they go get in their Mercedes and drive off. You know what pisses me off the most? The ones that try to like have used the dog yeah, the, for sympathy. Like It's like, motherfucker, if you got a dog like how poor are you right like how is that like that dog looks fucking full it's not mangy like you know it's well groomed like but these fuck out of here man these people justify it by going well i mean they didn't have to give me money but you're making people feel guilty you're making the people who want to do good feel guilty and they try to do good and all they're doing is actually feeding some fucking narcissistic asshole who doesn't actually need that money. Yeah, and, and I'm saying then then it goes even farther. It makes it harder for those people who are actually on the street that could use a couple extra yeah. bucks because there's been times where it's like I'm not going to give money to a homeless person because like who knows if they're fucking actually homeless or not. It fosters it's like, a cycle of just ill behavior. It's like if they like if you actually knew that they was like homeless or in like a shelter or yeah. something like yeah i'll give you five bucks I, I can spare that but like you said if you're just gonna get out from under the light at the end of the night into your car and drive back to your house like yeah, what the fuck, fuck like you um i mean that even goes with the old oh, don't give them a dollar you're just gonna buy cigarettes with it like you or know drugs old, or whatever alcohol yeah. and it's like but there ooh. is some truth into a lot of that too because a lot of homeless people do have is just because they're drug addicts or something like that. Like, you never know. That's the problem. So that goes with the... That's like the internal uh, turmoil you'll feel is like, well, do I do what I consider is the right thing even if the outcome is actually negative? I give this guy 20 bucks uh, because I think he's hungry and he needs it, but then it turns out he's just going to go buy a couple 40s well, and some blunts and well, like... The, uh... I forget the comedian, and I'm sure that there's been multiple ones that, you know, that have done a version of this joke. It's like, oh, why are you going to give that homeless guy money? He's just going to use it for drugs and alcohol. And it's like, that's what I was going to use. Yeah, it for- so am I. So who I am think I it might have been Mitch Hedberg. Like, who am I to judge? Like, yeah. Going, we got to go back to the fucking actual books here. Other benefits of reading, Spencer. I, I mean, we covered, I think that was probably the more important thing other than just building your vocabulary and stuff. But uh, just bringing it full circle here. I think the biggest benefit of reading is just the growth of a person. Mm-hmm. Being able to grow as a person because, uh, one, reading's a lot better habit than smoking, drinking, you know, fucking going out gangbanging. And, and so I think maybe another quick uh, thing, uh, uh, just to put it out there and we can nip in the butt, but also I think with the reading also helps with like the people who might not be like that social or they yeah. don't get out a lot, and like that's their way to explore the world or to just get outside of their own head and feel better about themselves. Like so, I you know, and it also brings opportunities for joining a community. Mm-hmm. Like we have our book club we go to, and that's solely because everyone in that club, even though they might all be different political and economic backgrounds uh, and statuses in life, they have that one interest in common, which is reading. So you have something to talk about and you can get out people and just enjoy that, which is why I support all book clubs like online book clubs, you know, in-person book clubs, all, things like that are amazing. And I I don't know how much I, I, I try to look into it. I have not seen that much around here, but I know in surrounding areas, a lot of the libraries do like kid reading days mm, where kids get to come in nice. and somebody reads to them. And so like we need a lot more of that. But as a parent, and I don't want to tell you about how to be a parent because I'm not one, but as a parent, I or think have it's, no plans and never yeah, be. never wanting to be a parent. But I, I feel that if you have kids, even if you don't want to read to them, you should take them to these kind of things. Yeah, I know. Under I never understood like 
that's a very minimal amount of investment on your part to take your kid to go to the library for a couple hours to be in a reading group. And like, especially when like a lot of people are just like, man, I wish I read more. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's that one always dry. It's so easy. Just read more. <laughs> just sit there and open up the book. <laughs> that's a whole topic for another day is why people don't read more. I actually like to tackle that sometime, but... Uh, because then we can talk about the ways you can read more. Because we both didn't start out as big, big readers. Like no. I always liked reading, but I was very. Uh, I think I've suffered like when, especially in my teens and early twenties, from uh, reader fatigue or book burnout. Where I would read a book or two, and then I wouldn't read for six months, eight months, a year. Mm-hmm. Very or sporadic. Or just busy yeah. doing things. And then you know, as a young, stupid, horny man, you're worried about other yeah, things. You're, you're not yeah. fucking paying attention. You're not worried about uh, Bobo Baggett's. <sighs> Did you say Bobo Baggins? Because I'll punch you, you <laughs> fucking cocksucker. <laughs> Bilbo Baggins? No. Did not worry about him when I was a young boy. Um, <laughs> though, in this, as a 35-year-old man, it actually really pisses me off to know how many years I wasted on doing stupid shit. That could just been reading. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. honestly, so many things, I won't go into details, but so many things are just, they're just unimportant and didn't really fucking matter and... Whether it was just like stupid socializing or, you know, trying to get chicks or fucking partying or any of that, which I wasn't a big partier, but I know a lot of people just waste their fucking life doing that. And it like it, it transforms, too, because a lot of people go from I'm going to go to the parties and hang out with all these people and drink and do stupid shit and try to have sex. And then when you get to a certain age, you go to the bars and then it's like, I'm going to go to the bars and I'm going to try to get fucking, you know, hookups and do all this dumb shit. And then it gets real sad when they get into their late 30s and 40s because now it's like, I'm going to go to, not the clubs like dance clubs, I'm going to go to like uh, the Moose Lodge. Yeah. I'm going to go to the club where the beer's cheaper and I'm going to, like the French club, and I'm going to go and drink with old guys and just dream and talk about the days where I used to party and have sex with girls. And it's like, how sad is that? Like all that time could be spent so much better. Uh, so I wish in my 20s I would have taken writing a lot more seriously and I would have read a lot more. Those were the two. Like, I would have rather just stayed home and, you know, like I do now, just fucking read a lot. I think that would have been a much more. You don't see that when you're in that moment, when you're in your 20s or teens or whatever. You don't really think about like, oh, reading's not just important. It'll really benefit my life in the future. Like, you don't think like that. But when you get older, you're like, I fucking that's what I wish I would have mm. did more. I was like, fuck all the, the stupid watching, you know, random TV shows and all this stupid shit. Like, that doesn't really serve you too well. Reading, though, I feel serves you better. I don't know if you feel the same way, but I always thought that uh, I wasted way too much time watching, like, VH1 fucking... Right. Oh, I love the 90s and reruns of Happy Days yeah. that i seen a hundred times and dumb shit like that. Alas. Alas, good ladies. Yeah, we should probably end this. You know, we'll end this on because you want to do a whole episode about this, and maybe we still will do it the next episode, which is going to be recorded tomorrow. Don't tell nobody. Uh, but we can briefly mention it. You see my giant volume of Sherlock yeah, Holmes. Yeah. Uh, we will be discussing the books we're going to read on the podcast for the rest of the year. So maybe you folks can actually like read the books before we talk yeah. about it. Normally, we give you maybe a month. If that, which, sometimes we're just like, here's the episode. Yeah. Hope so, you might have read it before, or <laughs> wait until us until you have read it. A very poor choice of programming style. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, hey, let's just make it so this is the book of the month that you didn't know about. Um, so we are going to, I think the very first thing we're going to do, which I can't, 
Do you happen to remember the name of the first Sherlock Holmes story? No. Oh, let me get this. It's gonna be loud. Because last week I remember we looked, we couldn't. Uh, we were having trouble figuring out if it was an actual story or a short story or. The whatever. very first. It's the first one in this volume, and I'm pretty sure this is published by the date they were published. This is like a Barnes and Noble collection. Uh, the first thing is a study in Scarlet. Uh, so that'd be the, I guess that's just, I don't know if Sherlock Holmes was books at all. Like, were they in book form ever, or were they just short stories? I think there's, like, a couple novels and, like, mostly short stories, I think. Yeah, uh, so this is, well, for a short story, this, oh, that's not too bad. This is 68 pages. Okay. So, we will cover, which, it's gonna be weird calling that a book of the month, but it will be. So, we're gonna be doing the, the Sherlock Holmes first, and I will... Uh, go over this in more detail the next episode that we talk about this. But uh, we also flirted with the idea of reading um, Benjamin Cross's Colony. Uh, again, we just haven't got to because so fucking girthy. Mm. Uh, but I really do want to read that. Oh, the, the Sirens of Titan by Kurt Vonnegut. Yeah, and then the other one I was thinking about was uh, Unknown Male. I feel like we can't do that, though, because no? we didn't do Blue Light Yokohama or Sins of Scarlet. Mm. I mean, we could read, I'm, I'm going to read yeah. Unknown Male. Uh, I actually want to, you know what? Here's a better idea. I'll just get Nicholas Oberg on and we'll just talk about it. Yeah. Want to do that? Yeah, we can we'll yeah, read, we'll read it and out. then we can talk about the whole series. Yeah. He's been liking the podcast stuff lately. So Ooh, he, nice. He, that yeah, makes so. me. <laughs> yeah, he always likes us on Twitter, so he should probably uh, get pl- back on again. That makes me. I've just better. been, honestly, I, I wanted to ask him. I've just been waiting for him to come back from fucking Spain. Yeah, you don't want to bother the guy. Yeah, he's been like, I keep, he keeps posting all these goddamn Instagram stories of him like sipping fancy calf, like coffees and. Uh, Trying to wait for him to get back to his tennis uh, posts. Like, okay, he got a minute now. He's doing <laughs> tennis. Go, go back to Los Angeles and play tennis so we can get you on the podcast. I mean, we could probably get him on the podcast now. It's just like. If he's in Spain, what is that? Five hour. If it's like London, a five hour difference. Yeah. When we got our buddies from, uh, they're, they're from Edinburgh, not London. We need somebody from London. Because uh, Benjamin Cross, he's from, well, I know he's from Wales. I don't know if that's where he lives. Uh, but it's all the fucking same, same area. Yeah. It's like a five hour difference. So I don't, I don't want to do that to poor guy if he's in Spain. On It'll the other like, end of the pond. Yeah, it'll be like fucking midnight for him and. Well, then, too, like, I, I don't know about you, but if I was over in Spain, the last thing I'd want to do is talk at some fuckers' fucking bullshit podcast. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, uh, I do, we got to do a horror book for Halloween. Yeah. We always do that. So, Blood Meridian was like a big fail, uh, though that was one of our mo- most interesting. I still like that episode. I thought it was one of our most interesting episodes. And we got a lot of feedback, all negative, from uh, <laughs> the guy. Most of it was negative. Some people understood where we were coming from, but. It was a lot of lit bros who got really that mad be, that we didn't. Uh, that might be like one of those books that it's like, like at the beginning of each year, like, okay, I'm going to crack it up. Uh, ah, yeah. nope, I didn't finish, but I made it five more pages than I did the last time. <laughs> uh, Maybe next year. When I'm in like a better headspace, I'm going to reread that book. Um, though I'll probably get into like dense Russian literature around that time, mm-hmm. so I'll be very depressed. So it'll be fine. But yeah, I can't really think off the top of my head any other books I wanted to yeah, cause tackle. Yeah, we, because we were talking like probably only like three or four at the most with us already yeah. at like the halfway point of the year. We don't want to put too much on us or the listeners, you know. And- well, also, we're going to have to bring back a Miracle Minute fairly soon. Not fairly mm. soon, but it'll probably at the end of the summer, I would think. Maybe do a novel this time or one of those... Uh, there's that dance, dance, and on, I forget what's on the other side. Remember, it's like it flips upside down. Mm. So I don't know if it's like two novellas back to back. I don't know what that is, but that's something we can maybe do. Um, I'll be down for more Marikami. Yeah, because the IRC should be wrapping up within 
probably the end of June. I, don't, I forget how many more episodes are in that, but uh, which I, I enjoy those when I yeah. I want to get your opinion on that. We'll talk off air about that. But uh, folks, definitely check out the IRC Oblivion stories uh, because we break those down. Like I thought we had some good discussions on those uh, every episode because David Foster Wallace is one of those writers I'm never going to read again. But he was <laughs> very interesting to, to check out his work. Anyway, um, if you want to check out our not complex work and see how much subtext we have in our stories, because Lord knows we, uh, if you think there's more subtext, like just make us feel good and pretend there's like a lot of subtext. Like just be like, oh man, this is such a, you know what? I know Spencer is talking about just some dumb shit here, but what he really means is that the government is bullshit and they're coming into your house at night and they're diddling your butthole. Well, that's probably something that actually would be overtly in your like in your story. That, that would, would be, be the, story. the story. Yeah. Anyway, but, but what he's talking about is they're gonna come and take your guns. The buttholes are the guns. The the buttholes are the guns <laughs> and and immigration. Uh, so go to drunkenpenwriting.com to check that out. We have our contact page, too, if you want to send us messages or... Uh, questions. Que- uh, yeah, we need more questions. That, have- I like that a couple episodes when we actually had some questions. Yeah. Like, if we can get more of those, that helps, or topic ideas or, you know, any of that kind of stuff. Yeah, because we've been kind of freeballing recently just because that's what you guys seem to like, but uh, I do like the structured episodes, too, where we have... Yeah, that means you still have to wear pants and underwear, though, when we do this. You can't. You can't, don't hold me down, man. <laughs> just, just let me be me. This is a free country. It's my house. It's fair. This is my studio. I built this. It's fair. You didn't build a damn tile or fair. the table. I built the table from wood, Spencer. Fair. Uh, fair. You can go to Twitter at Drunk Pen Writing and follow us, and Instagram and Facebook at Drunken Pen Writing. All of which we barely keep up with, but we do post memes when we find them funny. Uh, I just. Well, especially with Twitter, with Elon Musk taking, maybe taking over, and just it, it like shit the bed. So I just don't care that much about it. And then Facebook, I never cared about. And then Instagram is just like a hard format for me to. Like, I don't want my phone fucking is cracked now, and taking pictures sucks. So <laughs> just deal, man. <laughs> anyway, uh, thanks for listening, and we will check you out. Manana. No, that's tomorrow. I mean, we're recording tomorrow, but we're not. They're not gonna check us out tomorrow. Check us out next week. Samana, that's week. Hey, I had something. Proximo Samana. I don't know. <laughs>